0: Well, good morning again. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ben Hertz, and I get to be the pastor, senior pastor here. What a joy it is to gather. A couple of uh, follow-up announcements. Uh, usually the third Sunday we have donuts, and just due to the fact that we're having this big thing today, we're not going to do no donuts next week. And then also those registers are on the outside of your row, so you are the one. If you're on the outside, just make sure you pass that register if you haven't yet already. We'd appreciate that. Well, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians this morning. We're going to take a break from Colossians for a few weeks. And I'm sorry, Acts, not Colossians. That was Colossians a long time ago. <laughs> we're going to take a break from Acts this week. And we're talking about the church. We're going to talk about the church. So what comes to your mind when you think about the church? And how would you define what the church is or, or what the church does? And how do you approach church? There are many different ways that people look at the church. Some look at it as the place that you probably should go to on a Sunday morning because it's the right thing to do. And, and so there's a sense of obligation that you have to go. Now, some think that it's just full of hypocrites who speak of a Savior and then they just deny him by the way that they live their lives. Some think of it as a building you go to. Others desire a church that's more like a country club where you're just around people who understand the right politics and make life easy for you and it's just a place to relax and escape the world for a while. There are people who look at the church as a place that they will never be worthy to step foot in because of all the bad things that they have done. Did any of these hit home for you? Do you see the church in light of anything like this? Or well, let me just share with you a quote from Charles Spurgeon because he saw the church much differently than those things. Not something that is perfect by any means. He did not look at the church as something of people who had it all together, yet it is something that we should give ourselves to. Listen to what he has to say about it, uh, about the church. And I think it's so still prevalent today. Give yourself to the church, he said. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect. And I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. For it would not to have been a perfect church after i had become a member of it still imperfect as it is it is the dearest place on earth to us so for the next 3 weeks we're going to look at what the church is we've entitled this series church the dearest place on earth and my prayer for us as we go through this is that we'd all have a deeper sense of commitment to Christ's bride. That we would love one another more deeply and be more unified through our great Savior who paid the price for us. Jesus loves his bride and we should love it too. Here is what the outline will look like for the next few weeks. Today we're gonna look at the church glorifies. That's the title for today, The Church Glorifies. Next week, we're gonna look at how the church gathers and the church grows, and then the last week, we're gonna look at how the church goes. And so this morning, let's jump into Ephesians two now, and I will start reading in verse 19. Let me invite you to stand as we read God's word. Ephesians two, verses 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the saving grace that we sang about, Lord, where death no longer has a grip on us because you have set us free in Christ. And if we are free in Christ, we are free indeed. And, Lord, you established the church to be the hope of the world. And I think Spurgeon has it right The church is the dearest place on earth when we have the proper understanding of what you have done for us. And when we start treating people around us in the church the same way you've treated us, Lord, it does transform those around us because it's so foreign to the world. And so, Lord, I pray this morning, I pray that you would spur in us a deeper love for the church, but also, Lord, a deeper love for you because a deeper love for you naturally flows over to love the church. So, Lord, would you speak to us this morning? Would you encourage us? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we jump in this morning, the passage we just read shows us three reasons why the church glorifies. Three reasons why the church glorifies. The first reason is this. The church is made up of those who were once aliens. The church is made up of those who were once aliens. Look again at verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You know, as you see here, we are introduced to something that we once were, right? Aliens, strangers, and what does it mean to be an alien or, or a stranger? Of course, we're not talking about aliens from outer space. We're talking about aliens from another country, right? Have you, when you think of a person who is an alien to the U.S., what do you think? It's someone who doesn't, wasn't born here. And they come and they visit, and it's a strange place. They aren't from around here. Things don't look the same way. Things aren't done the same way that they had done in their country. There's a sense of feeling like you don't belong, and now How many of you have been to a different country before, primarily where they speak a different language than English? Like, English is not a major language. So I've been to uh, China about 14 years ago, and I went to Hungary about six years ago, and didn't hear a whole lot of English. And it, it was very apparent when I got there, like, this is different Things look different. The atmosphere is different. I don't understand what they're saying. When I'm ordering things from the menu, I have no idea what I'm getting, and I'm just praying it's not something that I can't handle. Uh, it, it is a sense where you just don't belong. I remember when we went to China, we pulled up to this very small province in China called Hachu, and when we got out of the bus, I kid you not, within minute, a few minutes, we were surrounded by the Chinese people there who were just enamored with, with the Americans that they had really never seen. They'd never really seen white people. A lot of them hadn't. We had a blonde girl, and they were super fascinated with that. Uh, well, one night, we went and played basketball. Uh, and so we had an interpreter with us, and they, they asked if we could play, and of course, they were all about it. And within 20 minutes, we had hundreds of Chinese kids surrounding us as we played basketball. Uh, you guys remember Eminem, who helped lead worship a little bit? Uh, so Eminem is black, and they were super fascinated with him. So here you got this black guy who's awesome at basketball, and they literally, right in the middle of the game, they pull him off the court and start taking pictures of him because they had just never seen that. They, they were a small province. Probably most of them had never left that. It was, we definitely felt like we did not belong. And isn't that the same for us? as When we are born into this world, we are all born strangers. We're all born aliens to the kingdom of God. The things of the Lord don't come natural for us. And maybe you this morning, you feel quite lost with church. And you question why would we hold so close a book that was written thousands of years ago? And why do we sing songs to someone that we can't see? And why, oh, why did I wake up so early on the weekend to hear some guy talk for 35 minutes? <laughs> We can have these feelings. We were all born strangers to God, separated from him. The things of God aren't natural to us. But then God intervened, didn't he? And he revealed his holiness to us. And in light of his holiness, we saw our sinfulness. And we saw how utterly short we fell of his glory. And yet... Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he opened our eyes to the reality of our need for a Savior. And by his mercy, he granted us repentance and forgiveness for our sins. And we went from alien citizen, from aliens to citizens in the kingdom of God. That is a worthy thing for us to glorify God for, isn't it? We were once strangers and he made us part of his family. Thus we have the church. And as we think about this, I want to talk about three characteristics of what a church is and what it isn't because we can get confused on this thing. So here's the first thing I want you to think about in light of this. The church is made, did I skip one here? The church is about the people, not the building. That's the first thing I want you to write down. The church is about the people, not the building. Any AVB fans, Acapella vocal band, anybody out there? Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for you. (laughs) So A cappella Vocal Band was a group from a long time ago and they had this song called You Can't Go to Church. And the whole gist of this song was you can't go to church because the church is you. And that's the truth. We don't go to church, we are the church. That's why when you come in here on Sunday morning, when I come up here and greet you, I say, Good morning, Gospel Community Church. I'm not talking to the four walls. Hey, four walls, good morning. Doors, good morning to you. Windows, hello, how are you today? We are the church. The church isn't a place you go to. The church is who we are together. But there still needs to be some clarifications on that. And so here's the second thing. The church is made of the transformed, not simply the attender. So what do I mean by that? What I mean is just because you go to church doesn't mean that you are part of the true church. The church consists of those whose lives have been changed by the power of the gospel. Those who have seen the holiness of God in light of their sinfulness and repented of their sin and placed their faith in Christ to save them. And it's with this gift of repentance and faith from God that change comes to us. Where we start to become more and more conformed to the image of Jesus. That is who is part of the church. That is who makes up the church, not just simply those who come and sit in these doors. And so that could mean that there are people here today who are sitting in the church. There could be those who have declared, I'm a member of Gospel Community Church. We've heard a testimony, but there is a chance where there is no true conversion, there's no true change in your life, that you are not part of the invisible true church. The true church is made up of those who have been changed. Not perfect, not have it all together, but yet they are becoming more and more like Christ. But this comes with danger, doesn't it? That thought. Because we can get caught up with the thought that, well, I'm I'm saved and look, I've got it all together. In fact, I had a theology professor who is a pastor as well in college and he said that one of his members came up to him one time and said, you know what, pastor, I haven't sinned for three years. (laughs) That's amazing. So here's the last thing that I want us to be aware of. The church is full of imperfect people, not people who have it all together. Can I get an amen? amen? None of us here is nailing it. We're going to have a report from the church later. I don't think as a church that we are nailing it. We are imperfect people who are becoming more and more like Jesus, but we still sin. Here's the amazing thing of God, though. At salvation, God justifies us by his grace. And we are declared perfect And Christ's righteousness is passed down to us so that when a person has been truly changed, truly saved, when God looks at us, who does he see? He sees his son. Amazing. But we still sin, don't we? We still struggle. We still mess up. And yet God responds to us with grace. And if God responds to us with grace, what does that teach us and how we are to respond to one another? And yet, what do we so often see in churches? A lack of grace. One strike and you're out. Isn't that our society today? I mean, when you're bringing up somebody something somebody said 20 years ago and condemning them for something they said 20 years ago, we got problems. And we as a church should not be doing that. Because if our last week was brought up before us, most of us, if not all of us, would be embarrassed. It's because of God's grace. Many people have been treated poorly because of one mistake they made. Someone, or someone, and someone wrongs them in a wrong way. And so instead of saying staying in the church to work things out, it's easier to just do what? Leave. And so we treat church like this fast food restaurant. Well, I don't like McDonald's service, so I'm just going to go to Burger King. I don't like Burger King, I'm going to Taco Bell. I don't like Taco Bell, I'm going to Culver's. And then that's kind of like the promised land, so you stay at Culver's, but. (laughs) But you get what I'm saying, right? Like we just so easily get offended, and so instead of trying to work things out, we have this expectation that I have it together, but you don't, so I'm going to go find some place where they have it all together. And what did Spurgeon say? (laughs) If I were to find the perfect church, when I would join it, it would be no longer perfect. And the same is true for all of us. Sadly, though, some of you have been hurt by church leadership who has had the expectation that you should have it all together. And instead of coming alongside the broken and the hurting, they wield the sword of discipline, striking those who are ruining their country club. May God never allow us to do this. We have to be better than that. We are the bride of Christ. And we all were aliens and strangers separated from God. And he made us citizens. And it's only by his mercy that we become children of God. So in order for us to become the dearest place on earth, it must come from a place of those who understand that they were aliens. And so there's room for more people who are like us. We must view our brothers and sisters in Christ in the same way, even in our ugliest days, and be willing to come alongside, to lovingly confront when needed, to work through it. The church is made up of those who were once aliens. This is reasons for the church to glorify. Amen? Amen? Look at verse 20. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. Here's the second, second reason the church should glorify. The church is built on Christ. The church is built on Christ. It says Christ is our cornerstone. We talked about this in Colossians. The the cornerstone is like the first stone that's put in place of a building. And the whole structure then is built upon that one cornerstone. So if that cornerstone is off, what happens to the house? The whole house is off. The whole house could find itself in ruins because it didn't have the proper cornerstone. If we build on anything else rather than Christ, it will crumble. And churches can't afford to build on a different foundation. You guys remember the summer, the Miami condos that fell? Just listen to what happened on that day. On Thursday, June 24th, 2021, at approximately 1.25 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Champlain Towers South, a 12-story beachfront condominium in the Miami suburb of Surfside, Florida, United States, partially collapsed. Ninety-eight people died. Four people were rescued from the rubble, but one died of injuries shortly after arriving at the hospital. Eleven others were injured. Approximately 35 were rescued the same day from the uncollapsed portion of the building, which was demolished ten days later. The main contributing factor under investigation is long-term degradation of reinforced concrete structural support in the ground-level parking garage under the housing units due to water penetrating and corrosion of the reinforcing steel. The problems had been reported in 2018 and noted as much worse in April 2021. A $15 million program of remedial works had been approved before the collapse, although no main structural work had been undertaken. Other possible factors include land subsidence, insufficient reinforcing steel, and corruption during construction. Do you see the spiritual connections there? I see it all over this story. Ultimately, there wasn't a great foundation to begin with. The building was built in 1980. There's no excuse for a building that young to collapse like that, if it was built properly with the right foundation. And the same is true for us. We can think that we're on a good foundation. 30 years, like, things are fine. And we can, go that, we can go on and on and on, thinking we've built our life on a firm foundation, but then all of a sudden we realize that it wasn't Jesus, and something happens, and it crumbles. Notice, who was affected by this construction? Thousands of people that we don't know about, but in particular, 98 people lost their lives. Parents, you're raising up kids. You are building your family on some kind of foundation. What foundation is it? Is it built on money? Job advancements? Performance? Morality? When it comes to your kids, do you only praise them when they bring home good grades? Or have a good sports performance? If we aren't building our families on the word of Christ Jesus, if Jesus is not the foundation, then we will come to a place where we will crumble. And it may be like this Miami condo where it was too late 98 people lost their lives if this church ever loses its foundation it could cost many i know many people who have ran from jesus i i believe god is sovereign so don't hear that but have run from the church because of churches that were built on something other than jesus christ we cannot afford to build our foundation on anything else but jesus so what does it mean that jesus is our foundation it means that he's our authority. It means that we hang on to the word of God. And last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back, listen to the sermon. What a great, remember, what a great reminder of the word of God that it's God breathed. Do you realize this? Like every word that was written in here was God breathed. Man didn't do it and God just kind of made it work. God spoke through man. We have this word straight from God. Is that not an amazing thing? If, if I were to give you a letter written from, I don't know, a famous person that you really love or appreciate or a song, original song lyrics where the lines were, the, the notes were scribbled in from your favorite artist, would you not cherish that? And yet we have the words of God right here. The words that give us life. It's right here. This is our foundation. We can't allow things of the world to be something, our foundation to be something from the world It must be built on the rock of Christ Jesus. Because when the storm comes and you're built on sand, what happens? The house crumbles, but when your house is built on the rock, it stands, it can fight against the storms of this life. The church is built on Christ. Look at verse 21. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's amazing, isn't it? Here's the last reason why we glorify. The church is the dwelling place of God. Do you believe that right now there is a strong presence of God here with us? Do you believe that when his people gather together, he is all the more with us than when we were by ourselves? And these verses would have been absolutely flooring to the early church. You see, they looked at God's presence as dwelling where? In the temple. And they had the Holy of Holies. They had a curtain that blocked The holy of holies that blocked God from everybody else, and only the high priest could go once a year. And they had to tie bells around him and a rope around his leg because if God struck him down from his sin, they could then pull him out. But when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn in two from the top down so that now we are the temple. We are the dwelling place of God that he dwells within his people. Is that not amazing (laughs) that God would come down to us? And so the church would have been floored, and we should be floored too, that God would dwell with us. We don't need a high priest to meet with God on our behalf anymore, do we? We don't have to go make sacrifices because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. So now we can approach his throne of grace with confidence. We are his dwelling place. And notice Paul's emphasis here on the corporateness of church. It's not about the individual, it's about the community. Look, verse 21, in whom the whole structure, what? Being joined together. Look again at verse 22. In whom you also are, what? Being built together. Like, we are called to do life in community. And in the individualistic world that we live in, we must not neglect the, the, the importance of gathering together. Don't forsake the gathering of God's people. God saved individuals to bring them into a community. Let's just look at a few scriptures to see. Is this true? Does the scripture speak of the same way? And I think it speaks very clearly to the fact that we can't just say it's just Jesus and me and that's enough. Look at what Hebrews 10.24 says. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do not neglect meeting together. Galatians 6.2 bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ there's reason enough why we need community because we weren't built to carry our burdens alone like we need help and here's the thing sometimes I have a burden on my back that I can't see and I don't even notice I need a brother or sister to come along with me sometimes and say Ben what are you doing to help me to see where I'm going astray We don't always have the right perspective. And yet that's one reason why we don't do, aren't in community. Number one, we don't want others to know about us. But number two, we think we have it all together and we don't want anybody else to pollute us. (laughs) But the truth is we need to bear one another's burdens. That means we gather together. We have to know where each other are at so that we can do that. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Two are better than one. Amen. Because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. And consider this metaphor the Bible uses to describe the church. We are the what of Christ. The body of Christ, right? Turn with me right here. Keep your finger here. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12 real quick. 1 Corinthians 12. I love this analogy of the body. I'm going to start reading 1 Corinthians 12 verse 20. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and are un. un- You know, the eye can't say to the hand, hey, uh, hand, I got it. We don't really need you right now. The head can't say to the feet, hey, you know what, I think I can get where I need to go on my own. I don't really need you. The pastor can't say to the person who's greeting, hey, you know what, Like my position is better than you. I'm more important than you. And so, you know what, Like just make sure you understand that. Like, you know, we, we are working together, aren't we? God may have called me to be the pastor. It doesn't mean I'm any more important, more significant than you. You have a part to play. We are the body of Christ. God dwells with us. That means God's spirit is within you. If you've truly repented of your sin and placed your faith, the spirit of God dwells in you. And you can be an encouragement to those in the family of God as well. And for so many of us, we just have this, man, look at me, I just have nothing to offer. And and believe me, I've, I've been that person often. But the truth is, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, do you have something to offer through the Spirit? Yes. The Spirit dwells within us. A takeaway from this is to prioritize then the Sunday gathering. Prioritize this time together when we come. If God dwells amongst his people, and if it's together that we grow into a holy temple, then we are better together. We need each other. And when we gather together, God shows up in powerful ways, doesn't he? And don't just prioritize, I'll be there once a month. I'll be there when it's convenient. I'm not saying that there's not times where... You have to be somewhere. But if this is not your priority and you only come when it's easy, what does that say about your love for Christ's bride? And you are also robbing people of the Spirit's work through you. So why should we prioritize coming to church? Because we should go to church? Because it's the right thing to do? Because the pastor said so? How about because when we do, we can encourage one another with the way God has met us through his word throughout the week, that we can encourage one another in that, that we can carry one another's burdens. God has encouraged you with his word in such a way that you might be an encouragement to someone else. Your pastor has been meeting with God in his word all week. The spirit has been in work in my life, and I come with a message from his word in order for you to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be exhorted. And what a travesty when we don't realize and think that God actually shows up when his people gather. I don't come up in here with my own strength. I come in here with the strength from God and his word. And you have something to offer. If God has rescued you, he's gifted you. He's gifted you not to sit on your tail at home, not to just come in and go home. He's gifted you so that you can serve the body. God dwells with his people. How many of you want to be where God is? God is with his people. So in closing, the church is the dearest place on earth. The church was made to glorify, and we have so many reasons to lift him up, don't we? We were all aliens, separated from God. God. And he made a citizen, so no matter what you're feeling this morning, I'm unworthy of the kingdom. I'm unworthy of God. Take heart to know that we were all in the same place. None of us are worthy. Jesus didn't come and see potential in us, as some Christian music may want to make you think. He didn't look at us and think, man, that guy's awesome. I I want him on my team. God says they're all unworthy, but I am worthy. They're all sinful, but Jesus is perfect and he's going to be my sacrifice. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. We're all aliens. We were all aliens. God made us citizens, not because of anything we have done, but because of Jesus dying on the cross and God opening our eyes to his holiness. And Christ is our cornerstone, our firm foundation. He's given us the way. He's shown us the way. He's given us his word. And when we build our foundation on Christ, we cannot be shaken. And lastly, together, collectively, we are the dwelling place of God. So why do we glorify? Because look at what he's done to us. Look what he's done for us. worthy of our praise. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and the beauty of what you have done for us, making us your children, calling us friends when we were enemies. Lord, Keep us sensitive to that so that we would not grow prideful and arrogant when we look at others who are stumbling and falling and somehow thinking we have it all together. Oh, Lord, the, the older I get, the more I realize how tempted I am to think that way. To, how tempted I am to be like, how could somebody do such a thing? And, Lord, when we do that, we have crossed the line of forget, and we have forgotten that we were once that. We were once aliens separated from you with nothing good in us. Lord, renew our hearts in that. And Lord, help us, remind us of the fact that Christ is the cornerstone. and Help us to build our lives on Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you, amazingly so. In spite of how sinful we are, we are still your dwelling place. And so Lord, let us prioritize the gathering of your people. Because we need each other. It is clear throughout scriptures. There are one another's all over the place. And we need you, Lord. But thank you, Lord. You are worthy of our praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.